Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Pastor Jake Kale. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. It's a pretty well-known story, story of Mary and Martha. I can't remember the last time I you know, preached a full message on this. I'll reference it quite a bit um, in different times. But the story of, of Mary and Martha, I was drawn to it myself uh, maybe a week or so ago, just personally, in my personal time with the Lord. Uh, I was just drawn to it. And I felt like the Lord used it for me just as a, as a challenge. Uh, just, um, and, and so I want to talk about the battle for our focus. The battle for our focus. There is a battle for our time. There's a battle for our time. There is a battle for our attention. Where are we giving attention to? There is a battle for our energy, our focus, where we put our thoughts. And I just felt like as the Lord drew me to this passage, I was, I was you know, he was using it for me personally, and uh, I'll share a little bit about that as we go. But I also felt like it was supposed to be a message for, uh, for our church body as we go into, who can believe in a couple days is December 1st. As we, you know, going into this last month of this year, I really felt like this was like a charge for us into this last month of the year. Kind of a charge for us, uh, you know, as a church body, but really as individuals as we go into this last month of the year. Uh, So I'm just going to read this passage here, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. That's speaking of Jesus. Jesus entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I want to use this passage kind of as a springboard. So Mary and Martha, this was a family that Jesus had relationship with. We see in different Gospels, Jesus interacting with this family. This was also, uh, Lazarus was, was their brother. Lazarus was the one who had died and Jesus raised from the dead uh, in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. And uh, so this was a family that Jesus had a lot of interaction with. This was a family that we see in the Gospels that Jesus had built friendship with and that he would visit their home on different occasions. And then here we have this story uh, of two sisters. And Jesus is coming into the village, and it says that Martha welcomed Jesus into their home. And so, obviously, this is like the guest of honor. This was like having the most famous person around at that point. You know, Jesus at this point in his ministry had throngs of people who were following him. He was healing people, and he had obviously tons of disciples and people. So it would be a big deal for Jesus to be entering into your home. And so they're having this dinner, and, and there's this contrast between these two sisters. And it says that, that, that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. So her attention was fixed directly onto Jesus. And then it said that Martha was distracted with much serving. So she was, you know, getting things done. She was doing good things. She was uh, getting the food ready or preparing the dishes, all this stuff, washing the feet, doing all this stuff to be a good um, host, So she wasn't doing wrong things. She wasn't doing bad things, but it actually uses the word distracted. It said she was distracted with much serving, so much so that she got upset, and she actually said she tried to intervene. You know, here she's she's seeing uh, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking in. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is speaking. He's teaching, and she's just sitting there soaking it up. Her gaze is fixed on Jesus, and, and, and Martha's like, what in the world? Like, why does my sister get to sit there and do nothing and just listen to Jesus teach while I'm running around like crazy getting all the work done? And so she says, Jesus, help me, 
right? She, she asked for some intervention. You know, Jesus, tell my sister to do something. How many people want to ask God that? How many people have had prayers like that? God, help me out here. It's such an interesting story how Jesus responds. Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are anxious, it says in the ESV. You're, you're troubled about many things. Many things are on your mind. Many things are consuming your thoughts. Many things are consuming your attention. Many things are consuming your time. But one thing is needed. What a statement. If Jesus is making this statement, I think this is something we really need to pay attention to, right? Why would Jesus say that one thing is needed? Why would Jesus say that one thing is needed? If Jesus made that statement, we really need to figure out what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Here's what gets my attention about this story. A couple different things. It's really interesting that Martha was the one that invited Jesus into the house. Did you notice that in the story? Right? It happened. He was going to a certain village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Martha was the one that opened the door. Martha was the one that gave the invitation. Jesus, come to our house. So Martha invited Jesus into the house, but the difference is that Mary made Jesus the center of attention. It's two different things. It's one thing for Jesus to be in the house. It's another thing for Jesus to be the center of attention. And you can apply this to the church. You can apply this to the body of Christ. It's one thing for the presence of God to be in the house. It's another thing for the presence of God to be the focus, the center of attention. It's one thing for Jesus to be invited in. Jesus, sure, you can come in. We'll just put you in the corner. Jesus, sure, we'll, we, we want your name attached to us. Jesus, sure, you can come into the house. It's a whole other thing to make Jesus the central focus of our time and of our attention. And God is calling his people back to the place of that one thing. God is calling his people in the Western church back to the place. You can apply this again. I'm going to apply it to individuals in a minute. But, but think about this from, from a church perspective. We can be so busy doing this, doing that. We have this program. We have that program. We have this ministry, that ministry, all this stuff. And Jesus can literally be in the house, but... Not the focus. Not the center of attention. And we, we, want, to, we want to build and we want God to build because God builds his own house where God is the focus and is the center of attention. That's one of the reasons why we prioritize prayer. That's why, you know, Jeremy was announcing the different prayer gatherings that we have. Because prayer is a place of cultivating hunger for God. P prayer is a place of encounter with God. Prayer is a place of saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. Personally and corporately. And so I've said this probably many times before, but, I, I, but prayer has not been the main event because God's not been the main attraction. When God is the attraction, prayer becomes the event because prayer is the place of encounter with God, of intimacy with God, of intercession, of meeting with God. So Martha invited Jesus into the home, but Mary made him the center of attention. They had equal access to Jesus, but only one was experiencing Jesus. They had the same access. Jesus was in the same house. But one of them was actually encountering Jesus, hearing from Jesus, seeing Jesus, focused on Jesus, and one of them was not. Not because they had different access. Because here's the reality. We as believers all have the same access to God's presence. 
Every single one of us has the same access to the presence of God because the veil has been torn. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated the people from God's presence, if you know the, the, the history of the temple, there was a veil that separated the people from the Holy of Holies, from God's tangible presence. And when Jesus died, that veil was torn. And the scripture says that we can approach God boldly. We can come to the throne of grace and we can draw near through the blood of Jesus. So by the blood of Jesus, Every single believer has access to the presence of God. But here's the reality. Only those who prioritize God's presence will experience God's presence. Mary was prioritizing the presence of Jesus. Even though Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. Here's the thing that just gets me about this passage. Martha was not distracted by sinning. Martha was distracted by serving. I mean, it's crazy to think about this. Now, we just talked about serving, right? Hey, serving. Serving's not bad, obviously. I mean, this story comes right after the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where we're called to help. We're called to, to be a good neighbor. We're called to intervene and help, for, you know, care for people, right? So this, don't, don't read this story and think, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a monk, right? That's what God wants me to do. He just wants me to sit all day, every day, you know, just being in God's presence, right? That would be awesome. But that's not what this passage is saying. So why is he saying one thing is needed? One thing is needed not because it's the only thing, but because everything else comes from that one thing. Does that make, did you hear what I said? One thing is needed, not because it is the only thing, but because everything else comes from that one thing. That one thing is the connection to God. The one thing is the relationship with God. The one thing is the abiding in Christ, knowing him personally. And then everything else comes from that one thing. Serving, ministering, Work, caring for people, loving the poor, right? Every one of those other things comes from that one thing. But if we miss the order, we get off track. Because Jesus was not just driven by the needs, he was driven by what he saw his father doing. He said, I do what I see my father doing. He lived from that place of connection with God. He lived from that place of relationship with his father, and then his ministry came out of that place. And so it's the same thing for us. The enemy knows if I can cut that tie between you and Jesus, if I can... See, if the enemy can't get you to sin, if the enemy can't get you tripped up in immorality or worldliness or sinfulness, he will do everything he can to disconnect you from your relationship with Jesus. Why? Because fruitfulness comes by abiding in him. Fruitfulness comes by abiding in Christ. So Martha wasn't distracted by sinning. She was distracted by serving. What does that mean? Even good things, necessary things, can keep us from the Lord himself. Even good things can keep us from the Lord himself. Our, our work life, our, our employment, again, good, necessary. We need it, right? Right? Could be our family. God loves family. We want to we want to grow. We want to have healthy family. We want to have good families. Could be ministry for those that have a ministry-minded calling. Could be serving or or ministry. Could be hobbies, right? Just good things that are they're not they're, they're not these aren't evil things. These are good things. But there's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your focus. There's a battle for your time. Or sometimes it's just keeping up with all that's happening in the world. Like the news, if there is such a thing anymore. 
trying to filter through what is true and what's not and all that, all that good stuff. Social media, right? See, I mean, for me, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't normally keep up with the news, but, but when there's, you know, there's something going on or there's, so this year has been like a lot of news that you're like trying to keep up with, right? Um, you know, you had COVID starting in, in March and everything that went along with that and just, that whole, whole, whole thing, and then you had other stuff happening in the nation, and you had unrest, and you had riot, you had all that, and then you have, a, obviously, it's an election year, right? So you have everything that's going along with that. There's a lot to keep up with. And if we're not careful, if I'm not careful, right, you just get drawn to it. Did you know that um, news stations are there to make money? Do you know that? That's actually, like, their businesses, like... You know, news is done in such a way, it's, a, it's, like, it's like a TV series, right? It's kind of like, it's like, it always leaves you hanging so that you, you got to pick up where you left off, right? There's all, and so if we're not careful, if, if we're not careful, it's like, and, and, and for me, I can struggle with this balance because I, I don't want to put my head in the sand and just like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to forget about everything. I'm not going to keep up with anything. I'm just going to like, head in the sand, just pretend like nothing's going on. You know, so finding that balance sometimes can be hard. So I'm not saying, hey, never watch the news, or hey, no, never, never see what's going on. I'm just saying these things can be a distraction. You know, I mean, social media. I, I use social media a lot for, for ministry stuff. I do, I do Facebook Lives. I, I do teachings. I do encouraging words. I, but, man, that can be a black hole. Do you know that Facebook makes money? They're there to make money, right? And so all these, I mean, they're, they're, they're set up to, to, to suck you in, to, you know, scroll your news feed, right? You just... I'm just going to veg for a while. I'm just going to scroll my news feed. I'm just going to, right? And these aren't bad things in and of themselves. But they can begin to take too much time and attention and focus, and they can sap our spiritual hunger. They can sap our spiritual hunger. And so when the Lord brought me to this passage maybe a week and a half ago or so, it was... He was, I, I, he was applying it to me personally, like challenging me, convicting me, like, man, I need to, I need to recalibrate. I need to recalibrate my, my, my focus, my time. Of what, how much time I'm giving myself to this or that or occupying space in my mind. Does this make sense? And drawing back to a place of living from that one thing. Living from that one thing. Living from that place of connection with God. I said earlier, the, the devil knows that if he can break your connection with the Lord, he can basically render us fruitless. So, this is, a, uh, this is an iPad, right? It's a great little machine. It's got lots of cool things to it. It's got lots of, I just used the preach basically, but got my notes on there. Or an iPhone, right? And then what's this? Earlier today, this little machine that I'm using to preach from was plugged into this, into a wall, right? If I decided not to charge my iPad for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, this thing would be useless. It would be useless. It could be top of the line. It could be brand new. It can have everything, uh, all the cool whatever, apps or updates or, and it would be useless, why? Because it needs to be connected to a source more powerful than itself to charge, to have the battery life, right? 
And sometimes we can, we can be disconnected from the Lord. We can have our time and our energy and our attention pulled away for periods of time and we're not reconnecting. We're not diving into his word. We're not spending that time just alone with God, just reading his word, waiting on him, worshiping him. Those who have been around, you know, threshold for any period of time know that one of my biggest emphasis and one of my biggest messages is the call to the secret place, personal devotion in the secret place. What do I mean by that? Simply just spending time, quality time alone between you and God. And it can involve reading scriptures, you know, should involve being in his word, right? Meditating on his word, reading it, studying it, chewing on it, letting it get into you. It can involve just times worshiping him and just thanking him. It can, it can involve times of intercession and prayer and calling upon him. It can be just adoring him or just waiting upon him quietly. All those things can go into the secret place. And I emphasize that so strongly because that's where you build your day-to-day -day connection with God personally. And our walk with God was never meant to only be dependent on external factors. And those external factors are, are, can be helpful. They can be good, right? The people that you hang out with and, you know, fellowship that spurs you on or connecting to a, a local church body or, you know, reading a book or going to, those can all be very good. Those can all be very important. But your walk with God was never meant to be dependent on those outside influences, and I say this all the time. My goal as a pastor is not just to get you connected to this church or a church or whatever church. My goal is for you to get connected to God himself. Your root systems are in God himself. Because when shaking comes and when trials come and when circumstances come, you need a connection into God himself. You need a personal history with God that nobody can touch, nobody can take, nobody can take away your personal history with God. No matter where you go, it goes with you. You can move to a different state. You have that connection to God. Things are changing in the world. You have that connection with God. Things change in your workplace or your family. You have that connection with God. People that were discipling you move somewhere else. You have that connection with God. You leave YWAM. You have the connection with God. You're not in ministry school anymore. You have the connection with God. But that can only come from you and me cultivating day by day a life intentionally, a life of intimacy with God in the secret place. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can, nobody can have your own history with God for you. Nobody can do it for you. Your pastor can't, your friends can't, your church can't. That's only something that you and I can do ourselves. I am so much more concerned that you have a personal connection with God than that you are attending this church or any church. And I believe in the local, we believe in the local church. We believe in the significance of gathering. We believe that's, that's a big part of God's plan. But if we miss the one thing that's needed, then we're, we're not positioning ourselves for the fruitfulness that God wants to bring in our lives, through our lives. So I'm much more concerned that your secret place, that your personal devotion is, is on fire. And that's not, I think sometimes we, you know, if you've, if, if you've grown up in church, if you grew up in a Christian family, sometimes that can be like this, feel like it's duty or like this, Oh man, like, or then, oh, I, I missed my 
my quiet time, and you, you feel guilty. And it's not meant to, it's, it's meant to be a relationship. It's a, it's a relationship. It's, and I've found in personal experience that there are times when I can be carried by desire and spiritual hunger, and there are times when I'm carried by discipline. And both are important. Both are important. So you build in the spiritual disciplines, but the purpose is not discipline. The purpose is relationship. Discipline simply creates space for relationship to occur. And there are certain, there's sometimes when there's such a spiritual hunger where it's like you don't even feel like you need discipline because you're just, you're hungry. And so you're just, you're, you're just diving in the word. You're just spending time with God. You're, and then there's sometimes where maybe you feel like that hunger is, is dissipating, but then you have the discipline in place to create the context to continue. And it's not like every time you have time alone with God, it has to be, um, you have to have some groundbreaking revelation. I mean, you can have times where, where you're reading God's word and it's just like mind-blowing and the Holy Spirit so clearly using scripture and speaking to you. And then there can be times where you're not sure why you just read or what you read, right? And that's, that's real life. And that's okay. Because God's word is nourishing you. That time in the secret place is connecting you to him. It's nourishing you, it's leading you, it's root systems are going deeper. All that is happening, whether we know it or not. We're being spiritually nourished, we're being strengthened. And so just like in any human relationship, I shared at, at the beginning how, you know, my wife and I will at times just check in, just, I mean, we obviously not just check in our lives, but just like have an actual intentional conversation, like checking in on our marriage. How are things going? Like, you know, what's, you know, how is our schedule? How's the pace of our lives? Are we building in things that we need to build in for our marriage, for our children, right? Just, we just have these times where we just kind of recalibrate because you have to be intentional because life has a way of just going, and time just goes, and our attention, there's always something to fill your attention. There's always something, especially in the society we live in. I mean, there's this constant noise. Constant noise. We have, we've created a society that's afraid of quiet. I mean, we've, we've created a society that is averse to just space and time, right? We always have to fill with something. Right? There always has to be music on in the background. You go to the store, you go, there's always noise, there's always music. You always have to be you know, checking something or this or that. And it's, that, that, that's not a good culture or atmosphere to cultivate just intimacy with God or, just, or with people. So yet we have to be extra intentional in our, time, in our society because there's constant pull. And again, some of it is just good things that can take the place. One of the times when, one of the times when um, Anna and I had to have one of our recalibrating conversations was when our first son was born. That changes things in a home, doesn't it? Right? I mean, so for us, we had been married for five years. So, so we, we, we kind of had our rhythm. You know, I mean, we had our Saturday sleep-ins. Saturday sleep-ins. We had our Sunday naps. After church, I mean, Sunday naps, right? We had these week, we had weekly date. Now we had, we had these different, we just, you know, we built these things into our, into our early marriage. And we had these, you know, just, if we wanted to just on a whim, just, hey, let's go here. Hey, let's go out to dinner. Hey, What happens when you have a little baby that's born, right? What happens to Saturday sleep-ins? 
What happens to Sunday naps? What happens to going out on a whim, right? It's non-existent, is it? I mean, a couple of weeks into our, our son being born, I mean, we were like, what is, what is, like, what is happening? And like, what's, where's our... And we realized our marriage was never going to be the way it was before, before, like, like it was before our, our, our son was born. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a change of season. And that we were going to have to adjust our marriage now and be intentional about how are we going to maintain and grow and cultivate our marriage now in this season. So it's not about always looking back to those days. It's about, no, how do we thrive now? So it, it's, it's going to look different, but, but if we're intentional, you can, you, you, you can do it. You can make it work. You can thrive. It's just so interesting. It's like, you know, Jesus said, you abide in the vine. Whoever abides in me and I abide in him will bear much fruit. You know, John 15, Jesus is talking. He's, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Every tree that abides in me, he bears much fruit. Well, here's the thing about fruit. Fruit demands attention. Fruit demands time. And the Lord just gave me this insight when, when our son was born and we were walking through that season. It's like here, intimacy produces fruit. But fruit demands attention. Our son demanded attention 24-7. And it was a good thing. But it's tiring, and it's consuming, and it's attention. And if we're not careful, the very thing that was produced through intimacy can take the place of intimacy. Did you hear what I said? If we are not careful, see, when we have, when we are, when we have relationship with God, we have intimacy with God, we have connection with God, we will inevitably begin to produce fruit. But if we're not careful, we can begin to put the attention on the fruit instead of the relationship that produced the fruit. And then, see, it's a battle. There is a battle for intimacy. There's a battle for your relationship with God. Just like there's a battle for, for your marriage to, to remain healthy and strong, right? There's a battle to keep it. It's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen by itself, you know, in the early stages of, of a marriage, you know, we, people call it the honeymoon phase, right? You know, when you're on a honeymoon, you don't have, you don't have a job to do. You don't have bill, you don't, you're not worried about bills you're paying. You don't have children that you're taking care of. It, it's easy just to have a great marriage, right? Hopefully. If you have two godly people, two loving people, two healthy people, right? You, 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 it's, but that's not how life is lived. And so in our walk with God, sometimes in that early, you know, we first encounter the Lord. We first get to know him. We first experience his love. We first experience his salvation. And it's like everything's so new and we're so hungry. I remember I couldn't put the Bible down, just reading it from cover to cover. Just, just you know, just, it was like just everything was so fresh. But that fire's not, that fire's not supposed to go out, but it, but it takes cultivation and intentionality. I, I totally reject the idea that you're supposed to be on fire for God in your first couple, you know, weeks or months of salvation. And then after that, you're just supposed to get lukewarm. I totally reject that idea. Jesus said, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. He didn't say, do that for the first couple weeks of your salvation, and then just coast. Then just get lukewarm. You know, it's not, that's not normal. It's not normal just to be on fire for a little bit and then just kind of coast. But there's a battle for it. There's a battle for it. You'll have to recalibrate. You'll have to take time. You'll have to evaluate where you're at. You'll have to be intentional so for me personally, I'm, 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 as, as God was bringing this passage to me, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do in this time right now? What does my walk with God look like now? What changes do I need to shift 
for right now, for this season. And for me personally, I'm, I'm feeling like just December is a real just um, recalibrating month. And there's certain things that God's putting on my heart to specifically do as it relates to my time, my attention, social media, different things like that. Very you know, intentional things where, where God's wanting me to tune something else out and wait on the Lord. Tune something else out and spend that time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Looking at him. It's easier to lose our focus during times of unrest. During tumultuous situations, during trials, during shakings. It's actually easier to lose our focus. Just think about Peter right? Stepping out of the boat and being on the water. It was very easy for him to get distracted by the waves. I mean, that's, that's very natural. First of all, you're walking on water, which you've never done before, right? I mean, that's crazy in and of itself. But then you get these big waves coming and this wind blowing and this storm around you, right? It's a very natural response to like, what is going on here? And just you start looking around and getting more focused on, more aware of the surroundings and the circumstances instead of on the person of Jesus. See, because if Peter would have kept his eyes on the person of Jesus, he could have kept walking. First of all, isn't it awesome that Peter actually walked on water? I mean, sometimes he gets a bad rap because he, I don't, I mean, I don't give him a bad rap because he sunk after a while. I mean, he actually walked on water. You know, sometimes it's easy to be in the boat and to criticize the one who actually tried. We see that happening in the church, right? I mean, people that are actually trying to follow Jesus and do what he said, get criticized by people that are staying in the boat because the person's not doing it as good as Jesus did. Right? Okay, that's a bunny trail. He actually did it for a while, but when he took his eyes off of the Lord, his focus, his gaze, where we put our attention changes things. That's why we're told, fix our eyes. Colossians, right? Fix our eyes on things above, not on earthly things. And again, that doesn't mean we're supposed to be monks. I mean, that, that can be the hard thing for me because I tend to have a personality that's kind of like all or nothing. You can ask my wife. Like, so it's like, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to like do this thing. So it, it, can be hard for, it can be hard sometimes to like, well, how do I stay aware of things I need to stay aware of without getting just pulled into it? So it's a battle. It's a battle. But God gives grace. God gives strategy. God gives discipline to us. God gives direction to us. God gives ideas on how to do it. Those who are raising children, right? Mothers, fathers, those who are with children all the time, right? You, you, you know the... the the daily tasks of pouring into your kids and you think you have a schedule for that day. <laughs> you think you have a plan for that day, right? You saw our little two-year-old rolling, rolling on the floor up here. A couple months ago, she, uh, she learned how to climb out of her crib. That changes things in the house. That changes things with your time. Now, thankfully, we got some strategy on how to fix that. <laughs> we lowered the bed all the way to the floor because she was climbing out of the crib all the way to the floor, put her sleep sack on backwards so she can't zip it. So we, we bought ourselves a couple more months, I think. But, <laughs> but when, you have, right, when you have kids, when you're in the midst of daily struggles, when you have work to do, when you have just the nature of life, busyness. So how do you do it? How do you stay focused? How do you keep your focus? For me personally, I'm, I'm a huge believer 
and having regularly, regular times built into your schedule, times with God. For me, that's not legalism. That's relationship. That's love. That's building it in. That's creating the space. I'm a huge believer in, in, in setting aside times, finding out in your schedule, God, this is my time every day. This is my time where I'm setting it aside. If it works for you to do it first thing in the morning, that's, I think, a bonus. I, but maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you do it at night. Maybe you're a night watch person. You're just going to, you're going to set aside time in the evening and you're going to cut everything else out. But it's important that it's focused. Jesus said, when you go to the secret place, he said, go in your room, shut your door. Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door. And your father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. What is that speaking of? That's speaking of closing off other things. That's speaking of focused time. That's speaking of distractions being cut out. John Wesley's mom, I think her name was Susanna, used to put an apron over her head. Because she had like 10 kids, I think. At least. 18. Okay. She had a lot of kids. She would literally put an apron over her head for an hour. Her kids knew when the apron was over the head, mom is praying. That was her secret place. That was her shutting the door. Now, if she can do that with 18 kids, come on now. We can find a way, can't we? See, because sometimes it's not a matter of Time, it's a matter of priority. If we make it the top priority, if we see it as the one thing that's needed, if we cultivate the spiritual hunger, we will make it happen. We'll make it happen. And I have found personally that the more you create the space and make it happen, the more you want to be in that place. The more it becomes a hunger and a desire. And you're not just rushing to finish it. You're not just reading through a quick little devotion just to check it off the list and say, just to say, I did my prayer time. The more you begin to cultivate that because God will begin to reveal himself to you. Like, do we, do we appreciate how valuable it is that God has given us access to himself? Like, do we understand how valuable that is? I mean, people wait in line for hours and hours and days and days to meet a celebrity. And God has given us access but I think sometimes because he's always available, we, we don't see it as valuable. He's made himself always available 24-7 through the blood. But he's put a responsibility on his people because he said, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So the, 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 we have a first move to make because he's always ready. He's always available. And I personally found in my walk with God that when I began to carve the space and take the time and seek him, right? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God be, began to reveal himself in a tangible way in my life. God began to manifest his presence in a tangible way. You know what I mean by that? As God will manifest his presence. God's, God's everywhere. God's omnipresent. But his manifest presence is when his presence is revealed. Right? So God is everywhere, but when Moses went on the mountain, there was fire that came down, and it shook, and there was smoke. And, right? So God was everywhere, but God was really there. 
God was everywhere, but when the bush was burning, God was in the bush. God's everywhere, but on the day of Pentecost, God, was, God really showed up. So it's not that God's not everywhere. He is, but his manifest presence, his presence revealed. And I can't tell you what that's going to look like for you exactly, but I can tell you that his word is true, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and that when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. One of the reasons why focus on Jesus is important is because it gives us endurance for the long haul. Focusing on Jesus gives us endurance for the long haul. It says this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see the connection between running with endurance and looking to Jesus? It's a picture of a marathon. He says, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He's talking about chapter 11 previously, all the saints that have gone before us. He's naming all these heroes of the faith. He's naming them, Moses and Elijah. He's gone through this whole list. And he said, this is a great cloud of witnesses. And it's a picture of being in a stadium. And the ones who are alive, who in our generation, that's you and me, that's us. We are the ones now running in the race. And then the ones that are in the stands are the great cloud of witnesses that are like watching now. And it's a picture of running a marathon. And he says, run with endurance, looking unto Jesus. The only way we have strength is to look to Jesus. The only way we can have the endurance, perseverance necessary is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And again, this is why the enemy will try to attack our personal time with God. The world, the flesh, and the devil don't want you to have a good secret place. Because if he can't get you tripping up in sin, he's just going to try to pull the plug on the secret place. And then eventually, you start to wither and the fruit starts to dissipate. Looking unto Jesus. The Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. Right? It's a marathon. It's not about who can run the fastest. It's about endurance and persevering. And I'm going to have my wife come up and just share a, um, I'm going to bring this to a close real soon here. Is Tyler, could you come up? I really, yeah, I really felt like this message today and tonight was about resetting, recalibrating. Um, and I really, really felt like it was for this coming into this month of December as we're coming into the last month of uh, 2020. We've been, what, five years in 2020 now, right? <laughs> kind of feels like that at times. Uh, but, but as we come into this last month of the year, I just, and we're going to take time in a couple minutes here after Anna shares, and I'm going to have Tyler play gently. And I, I want you to intentionally ask God what you need to do personally to recalibrate for this last month that's going to prepare your heart and set your heart. So Anna's going to share a, um, it's a prophetic word that she had read um, by a guy, Nate Johnson. Um, it doesn't necessarily tie completely into the message, but we both felt like it was a, a good just word, and it's specifically about December. So I'm going to have her share that. Uh, yeah, it says, when I was asking the Lord about December, I saw a vision of someone panning for gold and they were shaking the pan over and over until they finally stopped and what was left was the gold they were looking for. 
To me, that firstly speaks of the shaking of the church in 2020 and how God has used crisis and conflict to awaken us and reveal the gold we had hidden under layers of religious dirt and dust. It also represents our own personal shaking and personal revival and the process of redefinition and clarity that we have been going through. As we step into December, God wants to refresh you, bring healing to you where you have been tired and where the year has taken its toll on you emotionally and mentally. But look out for the redefinition of purpose and vision. I see role shifts and transfers in the spirit where people are moving into different positions in the kingdom and different alignments and affiliations. The mission he has given you is being sharpened and readied for greater impact in 2021. And for those who have been feeling up in the air in a hallway or waiting season, you will begin to see what you have been reset for. Your trajectory had to shift to accommodate what was coming and you wouldn't have been able to do it without the mess and conflict. God used it for your benefit. One of the greatest shifts is the redefining of tribe and alignments. God is surrounding you with people who are there to hold your arms up and who can handle the weight of your calling, not wanting to usurp you, control you, manage you, or turn on you the moment you step into deeper waters. God is bringing heavyweights of the kingdom who have the maturity and integrity to last the distance with you. So watch as new alignments begin and old doors close. There will be those who begin their geographical shift and are right now feeling the pull. God is preparing you. And even while you don't have all the pieces or reasons, you know the season is done where you have been. And lastly, let him shake off the words and warfare of 2020. You don't need to carry any of it. The witchcraft, the sheep bites, the character assassination, fear, opposition, and weariness. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to read the end of Hebrews 12, just to kind of go with that word. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. I believe that's a word for this year, that there are things that are being, have been shaken personally and in the church, so, but it's so, it's so that things can be removed that need to be removed. And if we'll yield ourselves to him and allow our roots to go into him, then we can come through on this other side, standing firm in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I want us just to take about five minutes in, uh, to respond. And, you know, this whole passage, Mary and Martha, it was about the focus of Mary. It was about her eyes fixed on Jesus and listening to his word. And so I'm not going to tell you what this is supposed to look like for you, but I believe that God's going to lead you for your life personally. And so I just want to take five minutes. And if it helps you to spread out a little bit, great. If it helps you to, you know, stay sitting, if it helps you to kneel or come to the altar, great. Um, but I want to take five minutes and I want us to wait on the Lord, which means we just quiet our hearts and we fix our attention on him. And the Lord might put something on your heart. He might speak to you. He might, the Holy Spirit might show you something. But I just want, I want you to specifically pray and ask God as you're waiting on him, Lord, where do I need to recalibrate? Where do I need to shift my focus? And what does it look like as I go into this next month for this time coming up? So let's just do that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for your Holy Spirit just to move in the hearts in this room. I thank you for your love for us, God. And I thank you for your loving correction, God. I just, I receive, Lord, your conviction. I receive your correction. I receive your recalibration, Lord, right now. I ask over each one of us in this room, Lord, you would speak, you would guide us, 
and you would show us, Lord, those areas that we need to refocus and recalibrate going into this next month, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's just take four or five minutes and just wait quietly on the Lord. consuming fire. And I pray, Lord, that you would, yeah, we're just going to wait and, and just consume our hearts in a fresh way. God, consume our hearts in a fresh way. Consume our attention in a fresh way. God, give us the wisdom, the strategy, the direction for this time, Lord. God, I pray that we would not be distracted and worried about many things, but that, God, as we just look to you, as we fix our eyes upon you, as we... Um, sit at your feet like Mary did, Lord, as we receive your word, God, that then we would know how to live in this time. We would know what it looks like. We would know where to give our time and attention to. We would know where to serve and where not to serve. We would know what to put our hand to and not to put our hand to, Lord. That things would be set in order. Things are set in order when we put you first, God. When we put you first, things are set in order. And so God, would you set things in order in our lives, God. Would you set things in order in our hearts, in our minds as we keep our eyes fixed upon you. God, I pray a refreshing over everyone here, Lord. I pray a refreshing from, from the, uh, the effects, Lord, over this year, from the warfare, God, from the trials, from the things that are just pulling at our hearts and our minds and our attention. God, I pray a refreshing, I pray a cleansing, I pray a strengthening, Lord, in the innermost being. God, I pray just a fresh wind of your spirit to fill our sails, God, a fresh wind of your spirit. Lord, I pray for grace, for endurance. I thank you that you call us to endurance. You call us to run the race with perseverance keeping our eyes fixed upon you, Jesus. You are the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we can't conjure up faith. We can't make it happen. We can look to you, though, the author and finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. So God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Just take a minute and just give him thanks. Just take a minute and just receive what he's doing and what he's speaking and anything he's been showing you. God, we just say thank you. We say thank you. We just respond. We say thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
we stand to our feet, we're just going to sing a chorus just to kind of finish. I just feel like it's going to help keep our gaze, keep our gaze um, just fixed. Jesus. God, we just thank you that you made the way. We thank you that you tore the veil. We thank you that you shed your blood. And God, we just, uh, as we go from this place, God, we just, we go with marching orders, God, going into this month, Lord, that one thing is needed, that you draw us to that place in the secret place, Father. So Father, I just pray blessing over each one, God. I pray grace. I pray a grace to enter into the secret place, God. I pray for a grace, Father, in cultivating that time. I pray for a grace in being aware of your presence, God, throughout our day, Lord, in the midst of our life, in the midst of our family, but also carving out the time, Father. So I pray blessing. I pray grace, God, and your strategy, Father, walking this out tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise.
Amen. For more information about Threshold Church, visit the website at threshold-church.com.